I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, September 15th, 2020. Coming up, we complete our mini-series about CU's efforts to contain COVID-19 by looking at brand new information from last night about what is causing spikes and by looking at data from Boulder County. There's a lot at stake. Students who have emotional and social needs, in-person classes provide some of that. So that's really important and that is also a public health issue. However, we also have a virus that can kill people. So that is also a public health issue. College campuses are the latest hotspots for COVID-19 throughout the United States. CU Boulder is part of that. COVID cases diagnosed on campus have recently spiked to over 300 students. Late last night, the CU Boulder Chancellor's Office sent an urgent appeal to CU Boulder students to reverse this trend as soon as possible. Can they do it? Today, we share data about CU Boulder to gauge how well or not CU Boulder can succeed in staying open during COVID-19. Today's show will cap How on Earth's month-long series on CU Boulder and COVID-19. In this series, we've looked at CU's innovations in testing, how CU's world-renowned experts in aerosol transmission have helped CU create state-of-the-art ventilation to protect against the spread of COVID-19 within classrooms and other campus buildings. There are indications that these on-campus efforts might be working, even though the high concentration of students in dorms makes them potential vertical cruise ships. CU Boulder has just reported that on-campus dorm students account for less than 30% of the university's confirmed COVID cases. That's even though the dorm students are even being checked when they don't have symptoms. Meanwhile, over 70% of the cases confirmed at Wardenburg Student Health Center on campus are for off-campus students. And there may be even more cases within the county confirmed at other locations than Wardenburg. It is very likely that COVID-19 increases are coming from off-campus 20-somethings doing socializing that breaks city guidelines about gatherings during the COVID-19 pandemic. CU Boulder is part of a national trend where on-campus containment of COVID-19 seems to be working, but off-campus containment is not, at least not yet. There's a new effort to change things. Last night, the CU Chancellor's Office wrote, and I quote, Information from our contact tracing program shows that the most common factors in our positive cases are participation in large gatherings, particularly among a few sororities, fraternities, and other multi-student residences on University Hill, along with a failure to wear face coverings and practice physical distancing. To date, county health officials have quarantined residents at four sorority houses, unquote. CU Boulder's contact tracing has helped to figure out these hotspots. For more, here's Matthew McQueen explaining contact tracing. McQueen directs CU Boulder's epidemiology lab, and he's leading a team of students helping to trace COVID-19 contacts at CU Boulder. It's good old-fashioned epidemiology, as they say, shoe leather epidemiology, where we go out into the community based upon a diagnosed case, 
and then ask them about their contacts. Who a close contact in will vary again, depending upon the disease you're studying. In this particular case, it's being within, you know, you've all heard this, right? Within six feet, 15 minutes, um, up to, you know, 48 hours prior to someone exhibiting symptoms or testing positive. And so if we can focus on quarantining the people who were exposed to a known case, that gives us a chance to break that chain of transmission. Even if it's not perfect, even if we break a transmission chain that would have been a super spreading event, but we kept it more manageable, that has a profound impact on our ability to kind of keep things under wraps. This is gonna be a unique time. I've told students, you will tell your grandchildren about the fact that you were in college in 2020. This is not something that I hope we ever see in our lifetime again. There's an opportunity here for students to be actually part of the COVID-19 response here for the campus and even the broader Boulder community. We've got students who are gonna be gaining some academic credit to help us out with this. We have 50 to 60 students who are now fully trained, both with the Johns Hopkins contact tracing course, but also a state course as well. So they're certified, they're working with the public health services team to start our tracing. What we're gonna layer for the academic side is some of the research articles that have come out on contact tracing for this particular disease, but also in a broader context about what works, what doesn't work. A lot of discussions, including our PAC-12 peers on what types of scripts and communications work. Do they respond better to texting? Is peer tracing more effective than an adult calling them and saying, you know, things like that. So we're, we're gonna learn a lot at the same time as, uh, as really, you know, hopefully putting a dent in, in the transmission chain. We've been listening to Matthew McQueen. McQueen directs CU Boulder's contact tracing for people infected with COVID-19. CU Boulder has just reported publicly that the biggest outbreaks of COVID-19 among students are coming from large gatherings off campus, including at some sororities and fraternities. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. CU Boulder has been reducing COVID-19 spread on campus through innovative ways to keep air inside campus buildings fresh and through safety precautions, such as wearing masks and social distancing. These efforts seem to be paying off. The latest data from CU Boulder finds that no COVID infections have come from in-person classes. That's good news for not only CU, but for other schools and indoor gatherings looking for ways to safely have people indoors once again. Yet despite the success in keeping indoor classrooms safe at CU Boulder, countywide and nationwide, there's a big spike in COVID-19 cases among people under the age of 30. Late last night, CU Boulder announced that it's not the in-person classes or the dorm students leading to these big COVID spikes. It's the off-campus students who are generating the biggest spikes in local cases of COVID-19. CU Boulder reports that it's working with the county to step up testing for off-campus students and to increase accountability, all this to reduce the upward trend in COVID-19. Right now, CU is doing extensive testing of its 6,000 dorm students, but CU Boulder does not test the over 25,000 students who live off-campus unless they come to CU's Wardenburg Student Health Center to get a COVID test on their own. 
We only got the data from CU Boulder about their contact tracing information last night. But last Friday, we did have public data from Boulder County about COVID statistics, and it will be informative still today. Right now, the dorm community at CU Boulder has incredibly high rates of testing. Basically everyone. CU's extensive dorm student testing identifies many COVID-19 cases even before a dorm student has symptoms that would lead a person to see a doctor. In contrast, Boulder County data only includes college-age people who have felt sick enough or worried enough that they've gone on their own to get a test for COVID-19. We know that possibly as many as half of 20-somethings who are contagious with COVID-19 never feel sick enough to see a doctor, so they may never get tested. CU Boulder is working toward expanding its extensive monitoring of residence hall students to include students who live off campus. That will be a big change. And CU Boulder is getting tougher about sanctions to people who disobey the rules. How much of a change might all this be? I'm Shelley Schlender. Last Friday, my How on Earth colleague, Angel Shong, and I spoke with Boulder County spokesperson, China Gusetis, about CU Boulder from the county's perspective. As you listen to this interview, imagine what will stay the same about testing and sanctions in Boulder County and what might be likely to change. Here's our Friday conversation with Boulder County's China Gusetis. We want to understand more what's happening with COVID-19 cases in the county and in the university. Are those fair questions? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Do you think that you had the answers? Yes. I have the answers. <laughs> what do you want to tell us then? Do you want to ask me a question or you just want me to speak? Why don't you start by just speaking and then we'll start asking you. Okay. So it's not surprising that we're beginning to see an increase in the number of cases across our community. That's just what naturally happens when people spend time together. And it's also not surprising that we're seeing an increase in the number of cases among our 20-something age group. This is because this group of people in particular needs to socialize. It's part of their brain development and that's the stage of life that they're in. We're not surprised to see any of these increases. However, we are concerned if they continue to rise. Is part of the reason that there is an increase in the age 20-something category because we just so happen to have had 25,000, 30,000 more people of that age range arrive in Boulder? That's exactly right. Whenever you're going to get a big influx of people, and particularly a group of people in their 20-somethings who we know may not have symptoms of COVID. So it easily spreads because they're not feeling sick. And so they're spending time out in the community. Now, how are you getting information about people who have COVID-19? Are you like the university, which is doing some surveillance testing so that you can catch asymptomatic people? Or are you hearing about COVID-19 in this age group because they come to you and say, gosh, I've got some symptoms I'm wondering about. COVID-19 is a reportable and immediately reportable disease. So how we find out about reports is all through a computer system that is a statewide system. So whenever a lab gets a positive result, it's automatically sent into the system. And then we go to the system and we begin our disease investigation. Okay, so if somebody gets an FDA-approved COVID-19 PCR test, basically FDA-approved for diagnostic purposes. Right, not antigen. 
we won't even try to explain all of that. It's just, you know, there's some tests that you can get that diagnose and others that at this point do not. Right. And so the FDA approved test, if they get one like that, if their address is in Boulder County, you'll hear about it. Is that right? Correct. That's right. But you won't hear about it if they don't know that they have it. You won't do any screening that shows that it might be likely that they have it. You're going to get it only if they have a diagnosis. That is correct. We do not have a way to screen. And if we did, we would have to screen every person in the county every day. Because the minute you walk out into the community, you're in contact and there may be a transmission. So that's why the precautions that we ask everyone to take are really our best tools. You also have the data from CU students who live in the dorms. So that the dorm students who then get tested at Wardenburg Student Health Center, because they've gone through all these screening tests and whether they're having symptoms or not, you'll get information about them too. Is that right? We get information if they test positive. Do you get information if somebody simply goes and has a test that's an FDA-approved screening test? Correct. Okay. But do you get it if they're negative? No. We get a count of negative, but we don't get the actual person's name and this person tested negative. Okay, so you can tell what percentage of people who got tests ended up testing positive. That's right, yes. Do you have data on what percentage of the 20-somethings who have gotten tests in Boulder County have tested positive? I don't have that broken down by age, and I don't think we would be able to do that because the negative is not broken out by age. It's just a a total number. Okay, what is the ratio between people who get tests and how many end up with positive tests in Boulder County? We want to be below 5%. We have, for the ent- entire pandemic, we've been at a range between 2 and 3.5. And we have been staying under 5, ever, even after the youth have returned to the, to the city. Returned in our socializing. And our socializing, yes. Do you have evidence of an increase in COVID-19 infections in other age groups since the students arrived back at CU? There hasn't been anything significant in any particular age group since the students have arrived. We are not seeing increases in our much older populations, which is really fantastic, which says to me that they're staying home and they're being very cautious themselves. We have seen actually an increase in our 10 to 19 year old age group as well. And that could be related to university students or other students just going back to school. It could be related to 10 to 19 year olds going back to school groups themselves. Exactly. On your Boulder County statistics about COVID-19, the most vulnerable group, the senior citizens in care centers, their rates of COVID-19 have not increased in a way that would say that that's being affected at this point by students coming back to CU Boulder. Is that right? Yeah, I would agree. And and again, I think that's because older adults are staying home because they know they're at great risk. And we've done some incredible work with long-term care facilities to really make them more secure. And so there's not the disease spreading through that group of people anymore. Yes, you have some grants that you have given to and that the state has given to long-term care facilities so that they can do much more diagnostic testing. It isn't perfect because it takes a week sometimes to get back the test. Yes, and we have been very vocal about that, that we need the turnaround time to be much, much quicker. 
my understanding is the governor is working on it. <laughs> okay, well, that as I cogitate on all of these numbers and things you've just said, um, Anshel, what questions do you have about what's happening in the county? I have a question on one of the graphs. Boulder County keeps track of the rate of infection per 100,000 people, per, and it's split out by town. So you have Boulder that's split out from Lafayette, Longmont, Louisville, Lyons, Superior. Boulder seems to have gone up, whereas the other towns seem to be staying about the same. Is that right? A couple months ago, it was much, much higher in Longmont compared to anywhere else. So Longmont used to be higher, but now Boulder is past Longmont. I would say it's it's because Boulder, the, the university is doing so much testing, and we have this, had this influx of young people coming to the city of Boulder. Now, on your website, China, for the Boulder County, you also have a lot of these easy-to-look-at meters that have green for if things are good for the hospitals, for instance. Do they have the capacity to handle COVID-19 cases? And I'm sure that there have been some times this year where everything has been in the red zone or getting closer to it. But right now, everything's in the green zone. Everything's in the green zone. We, meet, we talk with our um, hospital groups every week. We check in on PPE, we check on hospitalizations, and everything is looking really, really good. In the beginning, that was not so, mostly because we couldn't get our hands on any PPE. That's personal protective equipment. Personal protective equipment. Masks. And we didn't have access to adequate testing. But now we, we have a system down and we have our suppliers back, so everything is looking really good at the moment. Including adequate testing? There is adequate testing. I would say there's not adequate turnaround time in testing, and there's not adequate free testing. But anyone in Boulder County could get a test today. It's just that there is a cost for most of the places that you have to go. And you may not know for a week or 10 days whether or not you are positive. Right. I've heard it's now around two days, but... I think it depends on what the demand is. Are you hoping for those 45-minute tests? I would love a five-minute test, but a 45-minute turnaround would be fabulous. I mean, it would solve so many problems. Okay, now one thing that I'm personally wondering about, and I think we have listeners who are wondering about, is we have been featuring a lot of these very Herculean efforts that CU Boulder is going through to test, to screen, to monitor the dorm students, the 6,200 students that live on campus. It raises the scientific curiosity. Is the hypothesis that those dorm students are actually getting COVID-19 less often than other people of their age group within the community? You're saying because of the screening, they're less likely to get the virus? That's the hypothesis. Since they're screening people before they have symptoms, they're doing tests so that they can see whether those students have COVID-19 even before they know it. Yeah, so the idea is that, yes, if you can screen and then you discover they have it, then you can isolate right away. The theory is, yes, there would be less transmission, provided that the person who is suspected of having the illness follows the requirements of, of staying away from other people. Oh, you know, when you're talking about scientific hypotheses, you kind of don't want to put in a wildcard variable like human behavior. Tell me about it. <laughs> Even with human behavior considered, does it make a difference to do this screening and inform people and give them this information? 
does the wastewater testing that they're doing, which is so automatic, give them some information that gives them a heads up and a way to be a step ahead of this highly contagious condition? A hundred percent. Yes. If, if we can do any kind of testing that at least points in a direction that there might be some positivity here, and then we can follow up with the diagnostic testing, absolutely, that's going to stop the spread. What would be helpful uh, from a scientific standpoint for us amateur scientists like me is to be able to compare the students that are off campus and what's happening with their rates of infection to the rates of infection of the dorm students who are getting all this testing. You're saying you want to compare how well we're able to contain the virus with on-campus students versus off-campus because the on-campus are getting screened. Yes. If I want to say it in a very callous way, I would say, is all this work that CU Boulder is doing really worth it? And if I want to say it very optimistically, I would say, is there something about what CU Boulder is doing that will give inspiration and ideas to broader communities about how to give protections and safeguards that are worth the effort to their larger communities or to specific groups like care centers or grade schools? Let's put forward the idea that closely monitoring 20% of the uh, campus community, which is the dorm students, very closely is better than not monitoring any subset of the students because those are the choices. They can't monitor all of the students. You either can monitor the subset that you have access to, which are your on-campus housing, or you don't monitor anyone closely. Those are your choices. I don't know what the cost of this is to see you, but I think national experts across the board have been talking about the need for screening no matter what, and CU has the ability to do that. So absolutely, yes, I think it is making a difference. I do think it is worth the funds. I don't know about going to off-campus because that's a whole different system. How do we check the data to see if our great hope that this is all working out very well is indeed working compared to not doing it at all? We can't. It's uncertainty. It's uncertainty. Yep. I mean, the only tool we have to know that is possibly these investigations. And time. And time. Exactly. China, we've had a lot of time to look at what other universities are doing. Anshel Zhang, you have looked especially at the University of Illinois, which is doing tons of testing. What are you hearing about what's happening at the University of Illinois? Well, the University of Illinois, it's it's been reported in uh, several publications, including the New York Times, they're able to do tens of thousands of tests per day on their student population, which is very impressive. But what they have found is that the uh, students who have tested positive aren't necessarily quarantining. So their hypothesis that they could test their way out of this problem isn't proving true, because even though they're able to identify a lot of positive cases, they haven't been able to get all of those students to refrain from going to parties or even throwing the parties themselves. It may be, but that's a larger variable than we realized. And one of the cartoons has shown the idea that perhaps these optimistic projections of what testing would do were designed by physics students who don't party. (laughs) I read that article. (laughs) Right now, it does not look as though the increasing rate of infection among the college-age students is bleeding out into the rest of the community. It doesn't look like other age groups are seeing a spike in their cases as well. Correct, yeah. But 
We have to wait and see. It takes time, one, for it to get transmitted and the amount of time from when someone first has symptoms, realizes it, gets their test, you know, that's a couple of weeks away. As you said, time will tell. Does the county think CU Boulder ought to be considering stopping in-person classes and sending students home? You know, that's a really difficult question to answer because there's a lot at stake. Students who have emotional and social needs, in-person classes provide some of that. So that's really important, and that is also a public health issue. However, we also have a virus that can kill people. So that is also a public health issue. At this point, we do not believe that the campus should go online but we are continuing to watch the numbers and have conversations with them. The other thing is that if we say all classes need to be online, that does not remove the element of social gathering. That leaves students in their house doing online classes with nothing else to do. I don't know that it would actually fix the problem. The other part is If someone is sick, we're we're not going to send them back to their home state because then that's just spreading transmission across state lines. So our hope is that we (laughs) we can help these young folks understand what's at stake here. And then the other part is I'm about to launch a harm reduction media campaign, marketing campaign, which really talks about helping them find things that they can do instead of the things they can't do. Okay, so if you really need to get together with a group of people, choose five and have an agreement together about notifying each other if you're sick. So really helping them have some alternatives that are safer than what they're doing already. So I think that's where we have to go. I have a friend who has told me, who is, by the way, a science reporter, She gets together with some friends who used to sing together in a choir, and they all go out in a backyard, and they stand six feet apart, back to back, and they sing out from there. That's probably a lot safer than singing indoors in a choir. Yeah, I think what we have to get to is really harnessing people's creativity and saying, you know, you can figure this out. Here's the basics, but you can make it happen. You can have your singing group. Just, it's different. Boulder County spokesperson China Gusetis talked with me and my colleague Angel Shang on Friday. Last night, late last night, the CU Chancellor's Office announced that the majority of CU Boulder cases are coming from off-campus students socializing in risky ways. And it's time for that to change. We will link to the county data about COVID-19 and to the CU Boulder Chancellor's new report on our website. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Susan Moran. This week's show was produced by yours truly, Shelley Schlender, and engineered by Maeve Conran. Additional contributions by Angel Shang. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Philip Glass. 
Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender. 